Hey, everybody. Welcome to CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's award-winning podcast and also Columbus's very first business-focused podcast. Our show is presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, brand journalist and your host for CBuzz, where we bring you unique and truly impactful stories directly from leaders right here in our backyard in Central Ohio, our business community. We're coming to you from our home at Capital University's Convergent Media Center, which is a collaborative space for students and faculty to study music, film, creative writing, digital media, so much. We're excited to tell fantastic stories through this platform, and we're so glad you're here today. Today, we're sitting down with Brandon Nelson, J.P. Morgan Chase Market Executive. In this role, Brandon manages teams which provide middle market clients with customized, comprehensive financial solutions, along with best-in-class service. J.P. Morgan is a leader in investment banking, commercial banking, financial transaction processing, and asset management, a name we know well. They serve millions of customers, predominantly in the U.S., and many of the world's most prominent corporate, institutional, and government clients globally. Through continued investments, business initiatives, and philanthropic commitments, they aim to help their employees, their customers, clients, and communities grow as well as thrive. Brandon, thanks for sitting across from me today. Welcome to CBuzz. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So, Chase Market Executive, tell me a little bit first about what that means at JPM. Yes. Yeah, so essentially, I am the, I guess, along with my team, the face of the commercial bank uh, for Central Ohio. Got it. And you have about 20 plus years of experience in the banking industry. Ultimately, what led you to this particular position? So first, let me say, I stumbled upon banking as a career. Really? And it's funny how life kind of comes full circle. Uh, My junior year in undergrad, I needed an elective that would fit in my schedule. And at the time, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Laborde, who was an adjunct professor at Tulane, um, was also the regional credit executive for... Uh, at the time, it was Bank One, which eventually became J.P. Morgan Chase. And I always tell him, I'm not sure if I fell in love with banking or just his teaching style. But either way, uh, that was my introduction to it. And it's kind of led to this great 20-plus year experience that I could not have scripted it if I tried. Well, tell me a little bit about this professor's teaching style, because it spoke to you and got you here. What was it about his style, how he presented this world to you? You know how people will come to your school to kind of talk to you about their careers? It felt like a weekly career day with him. He just made everything seem real and and, and tangible and and impactful. And so when I kind of thought about what is it that I want to do the next step, I always knew, I've always been big on community, giving back, things of that nature. And the way he kind of equated banking, how it touches just all aspects of a community it just really kind of caught my attention. And so I wound up going from there and uh, studied a little bit more kind of in the finance industry, which I already was a finance major at the time. I was going to ask that question. Yes, exactly. And so once he kind of made it more real world, you know, most people, if you think about it, the way they wound up in banking is they either know someone in banking or once again, they kind of stumble upon it. Well, my experience with banking was limited to going with my mother on Saturday mornings to the bank, 
for her to do her transactions and I'd get my little lollipop from I the say, teller. Or the gum right? from the exactly, teller. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. But uh, outside of that, I had no exposure to banking. And so this was one, uh, Mr. Laborde, he kind of introduced me to the world of commercial banking and a lot of things that's kind of outside the branch system. Got it. You know, you have more than 20 plus years of experience, but you spent 20 years at Hancock Whitney Bank, which is a regional bank in the Southeast. What did that experience after college bring to this whole world that you've created? It was great. It was it was my training ground. Um, so many things I learned from it. I was very fortunate that one of my very first managers, right out of the gate, he believed in diversity, team diversity. I, I literally remember being in my early 20s. So this was before diversity was a, was a before thing. Before DE and I was right. a thing, it, yeah. It before it was a thing. And I remember I'm standing in his office and, and we had these see-through offices and he says, Brandon, look around at, at our team. And he said, what do you recognize? What do you see? I had no clue what he was alluding to. And he asked me again and I said, I see people. And he said, what about those people? And candidly, I didn't piece it together. But then he said, Look, we're all different. There was gender diversity. There was racial diversity. Candidly, there was economic, socioeconomic diversity. And the way he looked at it was that was a winning formula. So it wasn't just the right thing to do, which is what we say now. But for him, it was the winning strategy for what we did. So that kind of started things, right, just from that lens. And then moving on throughout my career, I've had some great mentors, uh, Joe Xnicious, who's the president over there now. Uh, we still talk to this day, very excited for me when I got this opportunity. And probably one of the biggest things is they gave me the chance to build a team in the commercial banking from scratch when I was in my early, mid-30s. Don't you learn so much that way? I do. And I'll be honest, I had no idea what I was signing up for. I just knew it sounded cool, <laughs> right? Right. And But when I got into it, I learned so much about uh, just, you know, servant leadership, uh, forming a team, right? Like the, the different stages of of a team, the, 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 the forming, the storming, the, the norming, norming, the performing, right? And so that gave me great experiences throughout. And Ultimately, how I, I took those experiences and wanted to do something different. I was fortunate. My wife and I were, were young, empty nesters. Uh, as my daughter, she went off to college in 2019 to D.C. at Howard. So we had geographical flexibility, start talking to a lot of different banks. And Chase really just stuck out for a couple of reasons. For one, it was their commitment to technology and treasury management. These are true differentiators in our market. The lending piece, you know, take out the nuances of um, direct lending, things of that nature. The lending piece can almost kind of be a commodity, you know, like pricing, mm -hmm. ratios of decimal here, decimal there. But from what I started to recognize, which was evolution over those 20 years, was the variance in the treasury capabilities and the technology. So JP Morgan Chase was ahead of that. Then circling final, final back around, I recognize that we all have work to do, but they were ahead of the game and wanted to be ahead of the game when it came to diversity as well. So talk to me about the technology piece, the diversity piece, some of these unique components that you've experienced through your Chase experience or that you're just you're ahead of the curve, sure, as you said. Sure. How does that connect to J.P. Morgan Chase investing in communities? Oh, well, so in so many different 
ways. So I think about here in Central Ohio uh, and the state of Ohio, we have over 20,000 employees here. We're one of the, if not the largest, I believe, I know we're one of the largest uh, private um, employers in the entire state of Ohio. So obviously just from an employee, uh, employee perspective, and on top of that, J.P. Morgan Chase made it a mission not to just employ people, but to try to provide them with a good living for themselves and their family. So our salaries are above average when you look at uh, the average salary for J.P. Morgan Chase versus the, the state of Ohio. So that's kind of one aspect of, of things. And then when we talk about the diversity piece, once again, I think there's probably a lot of good companies who are doing a lot of great things in that space. But we have so many conversations internally keeping diversity at top of mind. Once again, because it's the right thing to do, but also it's a winning strategy. Well, and you know, you said something from your experience back with Hancock Whitney and, and now with JPM, you are reflective of your community. And 20 years ago, that leader saw that and was showing that to you, reflective of who the community is and drawing that into the business. And I think that's what you're alluding to. And it sounds like the, just the way you guys do business internally in terms of conversations you have about that. That's exactly it. You know, we, we don't look at DEI as an initiative because that would suggest that there's a starting point and a stopping point, right? We look at DEI as a way of conducting ourselves as an organization. Who wouldn't want to sign up for that? Of course. I, I read about your commitment to serving your community, yourself. Um, it's evident in your track record of community and civic engagement, some of what I was able to read over here, um, which continues to this day. Tell us about what all you do in the community yourself and how your involvement in the community has really helped you in the various leadership roles you've had within your career. So I'll say myself, but that feels limiting. Because I believe that when you're in a leadership role, one of the benefits and, and candidly, one of the obligations that you have is to scale yourself, to create um, and carry the torch of, of the culture. So I will speak briefly about myself, but almost uncomfortably because I know there's so many more hands that play a role in what we do here in Columbus. Um, you know, I was very fortunate once again from very young age that said to whom much is given, much is required. And even in banking, right, like going back to after Katrina when I was in New Orleans and, and us saying, hey, that barbershop needs rebuilding. That beauty salon needs rebuilding. That grocery store needs rebuilding. These were not nice to haves. These were things that we should be doing. So I've always had that instilled in me. Then coming here to Columbus, I wanted to make sure, first of all, that this was the type of community that I wouldn't be the only one. I wanted to go to a community that, that um, there's a lot of people kind of carrying that, that, that obligation with them. Now, in terms of, um, I guess, board involvement, which I'm, I'm involved in, the, the Chamber of Commerce is, is one of the organizations I'm involved in. The Columbus Urban League is an organization that I've always been a friend of the program, connecting the dots. Mark Moriel, who's over the National Urban League, was the former mayor of uh, New Orleans. So I've always been a friend of the program. Coming here, that gave me an opportunity to really dive in. And anyone who knows Stephanie Hightower with the Columbus Urban League, I mean, she's a, she's a rock star. And so uh, that has been an easy fit. It fits my passion, which is once again trying to uplift 
all elements of, of the community. Let me connect back since you brought it up that you were in New Orleans after Katrina and looking for those opportunities to raise people back up in spots that might not have typically seen investment. That experience, that formative experience for you professionally, what has that meant in a place now like Columbus, where we know there are spots and hard places that have not been invested in traditionally here in the city? So I would say that, first of all, Columbus has a lot of great things going for it, right? And so um, I don't want to dwell on those things that, that, um, that need improvement. But what I will say is in any city, and certainly in growing cities. Any city. You're going to have warts. You're going to have areas for growth. Yeah. I believe, and this is a, my observation kind of coming in, if you will, a different lens, is that it's a little bit more challenging here in Columbus, sometimes being fully aware of, of um, some of those opportunities for growth because of the way we're just kind of geographically designed. Yes. Um, you know, you depending on where you live and where you work with the highway system. You might not see it. You may never see it. You may, you can drive, you know, get on a highway and go clean past some of those areas that need attention. So I think that that's one of the biggest challenges that I see, which is, is as we all know, before you can truly like tackle a problem, especially in, in a democracy, you have to convince people that there is a problem. And so, you know, I think that that's just a little bit more difficult here. Now, the good news is, is I think with all of the economic growth and, and uh, different people kind of coming, this is a very welcoming city. Uh, I certainly feel the, the, the Midwestern kind of hospitality. And so I think people want ultimately to do the right things. And we just have to kind of help all of us see the, the, the common goal and understand that you, it's okay to say something needs improvement. That doesn't mean that something is bad. Right. right. And you guys as a company, I know just over the years, you all have made investments in some of those areas as a company to help them rise up. So kudos for that, because we don't always talk to your point about those spots when you're in a city that's thriving, but there's spots like that in every city. And you guys help. JPM comes to help. So well, we I've appreciate seen it. that. Yeah. And that's from the very top. If you look at uh, Jamie Diamond's um, annual letter to the shareholders, he mentioned Ohio specifically and, and, and our commitment as an organization to Ohio. I think he even alluded to one day that we may have uh, the most number of employees of any location uh, that J.P. Morgan Chase and any community J.P. Morgan Chase uh, serves. So once again, it's from the top. And I think every level here, our location leader, Kareem Berger, is great great at standing up for all things Columbus and making sure that we always have a seat at the big tables. I want to kind of go back to your current and potential clients and talk about some of the challenges you're working with with general clientele. Um, are there things that the general public should know, be aware about in some of the work that you're doing right now with clients and what, you know, problems you're solving for them, concerns you're addressing and how you're making it better? Sure. So we do, um, every year we do a mid-year business leaders outlook survey where we reach out to our clients and kind of what's on your mind? What are some of the things that you're thinking about? And a lot of these things are the same things that all across the nation business owners have had to deal with. Um, certainly you know, inflation, um, labor shortages, um, not just competition, but overall uncertainty about what lies ahead. And so... Columbus is no different than that. Uh, but what I, what I really appreciate about business owners is their ability to 
adapt. And so, for example, with the labor shortages, we're seeing a lot of business owners have looked at uh, cross-training and upskilling. This was something that, you know, when, when you have a riches of options, maybe you don't think about these kind of things. But when, there's, when it's tough getting new labor in, then you start to get creative with that. Uh, in terms of, of inflation, you know, obviously, depending on who you ask, I mean, you know, it's take away uh, certain aspects of it. You know, I think core inflation is kind of cooling, but that certainly is something that I don't think we anticipate are going to go away in the, in the very short term. Uh, you hear interest rates are going to be uh, higher for longer. And so I think that clients have had to think, you know, what's that access to capital look like? Uh, do we... Do we continue on that path for growth and expansion now, or do we wait? Um, but here's the beautiful thing. I call it the COVID confidence. COVID confidence? Yes, that business owners have had. I think that having gone through COVID and all of the challenges that none of us could have imagined and coming out on the other side, what's that saying, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? I think a lot of them feel like, yes, there's challenges ahead of us, but we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll make it work. That was like your Kelly Clarkson moment, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> about coining that. Right? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger and COVID confidence. You should coin COVID confidence. I should, right? A, a yes. T-shirt or something. So, um, And that's actually what we found in our survey is that even though the majority of our clients have spoken about the, the challenges that lie ahead, most of them are still pretty optimistic about what their company can do. And I think it's just a you know, navigating the, uh, the the minds, if you will. How are you working with what we know as HBCUs, historically backed colleges and universities, and why is partnering with them so important? So we're working with them uh, in a couple of different ways. So I'm, I'm the J.P. Morgan Chase ambassador for Central State University and Wilberforce. We try to, well, let me backdrop. So I didn't go to HBCU. My wife and my daughter both went to HBCUs, Xavier University of New Orleans and Howard Our, University. Yeah. So I am very much aware of the importance of HBCUs, not only historically, but even to this, to this day. And for us, it is, I think, trying to expose these students to opportunities they never would have thought of. I go back to what I said, just living my daily life, I never would have even dreamt of what could be possible in the industry of banking. I stumbled upon it. When I got into banking, there actually were very few people who looked like me. I would be ashamed of myself if I leave this industry without having made a difference, without giving more people who look like me opportunities just to know what is possible. So what we try to help with, with Wilberforce or Central State is everything from uh, interview tips, exposing them to different areas of, of the bank. When people think of banks, it's not just branch system. We have 4,000 tech people at Polaris. We have a marketing team. We have a legal team. So when you think about banking, it's not just counting nickels and pennies and quarters. There's so many different things that you can do. And so for us, we want to kind of help that, but not just in, in terms of leading it to banking. I think we want to help them overall uh, match skills with job opportunities. Novel idea, right? Skills <laughs> to the jobs? Hmm. 
<laughs> we should think about that. Well, and that's the thing. And, and I was going to ask you, my next question actually had to do with, you know, advice for the younger generation that may have, have an interest. So it sounds like exposure to what it is is incredibly important. Um, they need to have that. So they need you or someone like you. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. But what other advice would you give once you do know what you should know and you're learning? Um, I should say what, when you do know what you don't know and all of a sudden there's like a light bulb moment, right? What else does the younger generation need to know about the banking industry when they do have that interest? I think they need to know that time is on your side. And it is just as important when you're young to determine what it is you don't want to do as it is what you do want to do. And one of the great things specifically about J.P. Morgan Chase is they very much lean into role mobility, geographical mobility. Take a step back. Look at me. Somebody who's not from this market, nor was I already working for J.P. Morgan Chase. No. And they said, we'd like you to be the face of the commercial bank in Columbus, Ohio. Matter of fact, when they offered me the job, I said, I just want to make one thing clear again. I don't know anyone in Ohio. As <laughs> <laughs> long as that's not a deal breaker, let's keep I, talking. I, I want to make sure we got this right. Like you heard this, folks. Exactly. And, and, op- and welcomed you with open arms. Exactly. Exactly. To do your thing. So to your point, what I would suggest to them is, is if you think you're interested in banking, don't think that whatever role you sign up for or whatever job you apply for and get, that that has to be your path. J.P. Morgan Chase, like our analyst program, uh, our associate programs, they require rotations. Like we want you to get exposure to different aspects of the bank because you may think you like something until you're exposed to that second thing and realize that, okay, this is my passion. So that would be one of the, the first things that I would say. The other thing that I would say is don't opt out of opportunities. Don't self-select out of opportunities. If they ask that, uh, if it's 10 characteristics that are required of the job, don't think you can't apply unless you have all 10. First of all, let them make the decision. Because what you may think that they value out of those 10, you may think they value the top three. They may actually value the bottom three, the three that actually does check off of your list. So I think that that's one of the biggest things that I tell students all the time you can't, what's that saying? You, you, you will miss every shot you don't take. Take a shot. Time is on your side. You can rebound from a bad shot. What's one of your favorite J.P. Morgan Chase success stories? So one of my favorite recent ones is our $3 million investment uh, through the Columbus Urban League in Accelerate Her. So Accelerator, Accelerate Her. I've heard of it. Yes. And really it is um, an investment that we've made to help educate, support, provide capital, and even certain contracts to um, minority-owned, women of color-owned businesses. And many people don't know this, but that's actually one of the largest growing segments of business owners. But what we also realized during COVID is that 
uh, women of color-owned businesses also were much more adversely impacted by some of the hardships of COVID than other. And so, what not JP, quite the same COVID confidence for some of those businesses. Less resources, smaller networks. A lot of the companies, one-person companies, right? And yeah. so, um, so yeah. So, so with that being said, I think that what we're trying to do is to help uplift that. And it goes back to it. In order for a community to really hit on all cylinders, everybody needs to be at the table. Everybody needs to be a part of it to raise this 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 great community that we have. So speaking of that, what do you think is next for you and JP Morgan Chase and how can business the greater business community get involved in the great foundation you guys have created and and, and things like Accelerate Her and other places throughout the community where you're investing? So I think what's next for J.P. Morgan Chase is continue to what we've done here in this community for including predecessors, what, over a couple hundred years? Um, And so I think that for us, it's that part. For me personally, it's to contribute to that effort to uh, carry that torch forward from the previous generations and people have held the seat before me. And I think in terms of the business community and just the rest of the community, obviously no one organization can do it all. No portion of a community can do it all. It really is going to take everyone coming together and understanding that we don't have to completely agree on everything. We just have to agree in trying to make this place better and willing to have the conversations to hopefully get to that spot that we can strive to. Before we wrap up today, you know, one of the reasons we have conversations like this on this program is because we believe that continued personal and professional growth um, is one of the most valuable aspects as a leader in business. I'd love to to hear what's influencing you. Is it, is it a podcast? Are you reading something? Is there something at this moment that's really making it happen? So I'll give you... One television show and one book. Okay. Um, so I'm late to this. So this is probably more of a 2021 conversation, but the Ted Lasso series. And what I love about that is, is Ted Lasso as a leader has this great blend of humility, comfortability in his own skin, willing to take input from others but usually sticking to his guns of what he feels is right. It's a lot of conflicting things there. There are. But he figures out a way to, to put it together and to create this awesome kind of culture. So that's that. Um, and then recently I started uh, an audio book called Outliers, The Story of Success. Are you familiar with that book? Malcolm Gladwell. That's exactly so it. So good. It spurned from a conversation recently I was having with a business owner, and I was giving them all the kudos in the world because I just think the most of business owners, when you hear them talk, they, they don't talk about employees. They talk about the number of families that um, that depend on them to make the right decisions, right? And so I was talking to this business leader, and I noticed that he kept saying how blessed he was and how um, how lucky he was. And from my experience being around business leaders for so often, I'm like, you know, you keep using this word luck. You keep using this 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 blessed thing. But I feel like I've seen certain common characteristics of successful business owners. And so he told me to to look at this book. And so I'm not all the way through it. But what I what I've 
gathered from it so far is we often, when we look at successful people, we may be asking the wrong question. We're often asking, what is the characteristics of that successful person? Maybe the question needs to be, what environment did that successful person come from? What are some of the external things that led to that success? And when I was listening to that business owner, I think that for him, not only does that help him stay humble, but a lot of people don't become business owners because paralysis by analysis, fear of failure, et cetera. Once again, I'm not all the way to the end of the book, but I think part of this almost kind of says, don't assume you're different from these really successful people. It may be other factors. So the point is, don't be afraid of making a decision because it's not just about every successful person has probably made bad decisions. So that's not the common thread that everybody, that all of them are perfect in every decision that they've made, that it may be some other things. So don't put all of this pressure on you that everything you do is life or death. And uh, if you make this one bad decision, then that's kind of the end of your journey. So anyway, that's just kind of what I gleam from early in. I might change that. But so far, it's been interesting. I, you, ha- you have something definitely there about environment, and that is part of the outliers and who you become through that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll really enjoy the rest of it. And I'm glad you made the recommendation. No one has made that recommendation when we've asked this question. It's there a, you go. It's a great book. Brandon, true pleasure. Thank you for spending some time with us on CBuzz and giving us a reminder of COVID confidence. COVID confidence. COVID confidence. Now, I don't say it too many times. I got to run home and you gotta, go copyright it. Right. Yeah, and then make those it, right? t-shirts. <laughs> uh, great to have you in. Thank you for sharing your story with Thank us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about all of Brandon's endeavors and what they're doing at JPMorgan Chase, please visit jpmorganchase.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to let us know, guys, by sharing your ratings and reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may be listening. Your reviews help people find this show and hear community stories like Brandon's. We read your feedback and we value your ideas as we plan for future episodes. CBuzz is proudly produced in collaboration with Capital University, and we want to say a special thank you to their talented students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program to life for all of you who listen. Once again, I'm Michaela Hunt. I'm your host for CBuzz, the Columbus Chamber of Commerce's business-focused podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>